0: Bonus episode starting now. Hey! Johan Panayas here from IOU, from his own life, Convergent Management, all kinds of silly, crazy things that he's done. Always just with this kind of cool panache, just never egocentric. I remember you were accepting an award years ago at the Air Awards, and you had, I think you had um, some sinus issues, and you were like, yeah, conjunctivitis, I think. And they, they were papping you, and people were taking photos. And I think you said, what did you say? You said, fuck off. I look like a member of the June Rats. I think that's what you said. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was that was cool. cool. And then you got up and, and accepted two uh, awards for Violent Soho, among other things that you've done. But we're talking about you specifically, sir. When you're a kid, what's the first time you remember growing up? being affected by a piece of music
1: so the the first like i guess piece yeah i guess it's fair to say the first time i was affected by a piece of music that i can remember was
0: um the my parents like loved the beatles like probably a lot of other people and you actually you tweeted out the beatles are under you put on facebook the beatles are underrated that was just from a few months ago true story and the beatles
1: are underrated i think and i get enough credit there's a song called till there was you which i can't remember what album it's on my mom and dad they would always play Beatles music, and I remember them both being at the like in the front of the car, and I was in the back. And I don't know, it was like it's a, it's this beautiful song. The lyrically, it's like incredible. It's like so sweet. And I remember being just genuine. Like I don't know, my my parents' relationship is something that I admire a lot, and I I admire them as individuals as well. But that that definitely, I don't know, it's this lasting memory sort of thing. Yeah, you know, I still love that song. And it still affects
0: me. Excellent. What uh, what's your relationship with your parents? He's their son. I guess Marcus Marcus wins that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's the next piece of music that came along and uh, and grabbed you and made you go?
1: After that, I got I got really into like nineties um hip hop and R and B.
0: How old were you when, when this hit? And and tell us, tell us about the swearing.
1: I was probably anywhere from like ten years, actually, probably like seven or eight till the age I was twelve, and I went to my first punk show. From the ages of seven to 12, I was very much into like 90s R&B and hip hop. Um, and that stemmed from my my next door neighbors um, because my best friend lived there and his older siblings would be showing us music. And also my cousins. I remember um, there's this song by the group As Yet, uh, A-Z-Yet called Last Night, which is like the chorus lyrics are like, last night I was inside of you Last night making sweet love to you. I saw the subtle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw the sun, the moon, the mountains, and the river. I saw heaven when I made sweet love to you. That's those are the lyrics. And I remember oh. being fucking obsessed with it. As <laughs> like as like an eight-year-old.
0: Did you know about sex yet?
1: No idea. And but like my neighbor who I was best friends with, he and I performed that song for <laughs> for for my parents and his parents, and they were like fucking horrified obviously just <laughs> like, what the hell so i i got super into that joint and I, oh, to be honest the first album that i ever fully immersed myself in and became obsessed with like start to finish i'm talking you going through the you know the liner notes the every interlude was nelly's country grammar record that came out in 2000 so i would have been 11 then or like 11 or 12 when it came out and that was like a huge record for me and i think Recently, during COVID or whatnot, as I'm sure many people have been, you know, there's a certain nostalgic listening habits that people have picked up. And Nelly's Country Grammar album is certainly one that I've went back to. And it fucking stands up. It's great. Just for
0: the money, did you ever have the little Band-Aid thing?
1: No, I didn't have a Band-Aid thing, but I did have the same, um, like I had this reversible FUBU jacket. <laughs> And uh, must, must be the money, yeah, Should yeah. Go. And uh, and a New York um baseball cap, but I mean, I think Nelly's from St. Louis, so I don't know what i find. like, that is irrelevant. H-
0: how did you hustle? how did you hustle a FUBU jacket? Because those things were spinning. Campbelltown had like a knockoff, like
1: shop on, on in the Queen Street shopping mall, there was like knockoffs and stuff you could get.
0: And also, because being a, a black kid growing up, then was it was there nothing around that you could relate to? Very white question,
1: no, no. Um, I guess I was just like, I. I was just led by the people in my circles that were slightly older than me and it was just like, it was my cousins that live, who were there and also, you know, my neighbours. I don't know if this like necessarily means that all Lebanese people love 90s hip hop music. But, like, I think
0: everyone loves 90s yeah, hip hop music. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. So, but like, you know, they were Lebanese. I guess it was more like a cultural thing. And yeah, it's fair to say that like minorities have always felt an affection for like hip hop music and felt and, and R&B music and felt like those pop stars spoke to them and could, could relate to it for sure.
0: Have you ever wanted to tour hip hop artists? We toured a
1: hip hop band called Rat King and we, um we still toured a guy called Wiki signed to XL, an India version of um, hip hop, but yeah, a hundred percent. I'd love, love to get involved um, more with hip hop music. And if all, if all thing goes, if everything goes to plan, hopefully we will be
2: announcing some hip hop tours for next year. So from that, it sounds like, at least locally, what started popping off for you was Kiss Chasey.
1: Up until I finished primary school, I was into this sort of hip-hop sort of thing. And then I went to high school. And in year seven, I met this guy whose older brother played in, like, a Christian punk band. And we went to one of the shows. The band was called Never Pay Retail. And and his older brother before that played in a ska band called Lightly Salted Peanuts. And so, <laughs> and so we... We went to these shows and immediately, once again, I became, like, swept up in it, absolutely fucking obsessed with the ideas of, like, you know, mosh pits and skank circles and the, um, you know, the homemade, um, like, jewellery, like, you know, dice necklaces, trucker hats, wet bands, all this shit, and I absolutely threw myself into it and one of the bands that I really developed, like, you know, they were my favourite band growing up and... I would still say that they were my favorite band, even to today. Even though I don't listen to them as often, just because like they did shape such a large part of who I was for such a long period of time. It was this band called the Atari's, famous for their Boys of Summer cover, but have a string of albums. I look back at it and like then like how music shaped my ideas of relationships and what they were supposed to be and all that, and pop punk music and the lyricism used is not. A constructive way to, like, <laughs> help young people navigate those things.
2: Nor is singing to your parents about being inside someone and seeing the stars in the mountains.
1: No, no, certainly How did you
0: think that been- was going to land, by the way?
1: Well, I had no idea that it was about sex. So I was just <laughs> like, I, like, you just sing what the lyrics are, right? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so uh, so basically, uh, yeah, I've been going to all of these, like, small punk shows in, like, most of them are in church halls. And then the Ataris at the University of New South Wales Roundhouse venue was like the biggest one that I had ever been to. It was 2,500 people and my dad went with my friend and I because we were like still quite young. But the opening band was Kiss Chasey. And I like I, I was just like, honestly, I was like a sponge for like any band that I saw that was like half decent. The ones Even the ones that weren't half decent, I was just like all about them. Kiss Chasey was decent and I just became obsessed with them and that became like a big part of who I was as well for you know that introduced me to below par records which had another band called something with numbers these bands would go on tour with other artists like after the fall and gyroscope all four of those bands actually went on to have a decent level of commercial success much more than their contemporaries but we were going to see them when they were playing in the 200 cap venues and like you know you go save up all your pocket money you go and buy all the merch you buy the cds you just like as i said before literally just sponge up as much as you can the label below par records used to make these um compilation cds called caddy of the year which were just like was just like this amazing resource to then go and find all your favorite new new bands out of that and they used to do one every year and it was like full of like australian and bands from largely the US. I guess that's how I sort of got into like the pop punk sort of music. So
0: was there a moment where you went, oh, we just have put out a song called teenage dirt bag and I'm not really feeling pop punk or when did you go to that next, that next level of your in, next stage of your life?
1: To be honest, I didn't like depart pop punk until I was probably 20 and I moved, I'd moved to Melbourne or maybe, no, maybe a little bit old, uh, a little bit younger, probably like 18 or 19. I'd moved to Melbourne. I had, bumped into some other people like some bands like neon love and um how and they started and like i was living with a lot of these people another band called goldfields for some reason they're all from ballarat mm-hmm. but like and they started to introduce me to music by bands like foals and you know like and i um, like justice and stuff like that we started to go out clubbing as well and you know going to third class and stuff like that and then That was, I guess, the next sort of step. I guess it was very, like, peak modular records. Or maybe it was, Mm. yeah. Bang Bang. Gang. Yeah, Bang Gang. Like, you know, just like going to clubs. And then that was the next sort of step out of, I realized that, you know, pop punk music had probably given me everything that it was going to give me. And there wasn't a lot more to sort of take out of that.
0: And you were a dancer? you go to clubs to dance? Um, I wouldn't say that I, like I dance, but like I'm not a fucking dancer. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm there moving around. I'm I'm doing my best, like <laughs> It's not good.
0: <laughs> Tell us about a pivot, like a, a big moment at third class or something like that, where you were just like, you know, you felt like, oh, I, I really. Did you, I mean, did you get the clubbing bug properly, or was there always a thing in the back of your mind that you wanted to hear a bit more rock and roll?
1: No, like, well, I just started to realize that like I went to clubs to get one thing, and I went to gigs to get another thing. And, yeah. I, and I enjoyed them both. You know, I think at that point, up until that point in my life, I was very much like, I like this genre of music and that's what I like. And I don't really have time for anything else. Whereas moving to Melbourne, just like getting older, I certainly wasn't mature, but I was more <laughs> mature than what I was back then. You start to realize that you can enjoy different things and that's okay.
2: It also sounds like this seems really obvious, like, uh, from an objective point of view, but it seems like you were the kind of person that was also struck with the communities around all this music, whether it's pop-punk, whether it's, like, the, you know, the party stuff, whether it's Nelly and, like, the community at the time. You sound, like, less like someone who is sitting in their room playing something over and over again, although I'm sure you did that, than someone who was, like, really struck with the whole kind of, like the the world that com- you know comes around all this sort of stuff. One hundred percent, like without a doubt. I mean, like
1: you know, when I was a kid, when I was a kid going to pop punk shows, there was a group of us all going. We didn't go to schools. We had no other thing that connected us other than like a Soundwave forum or a Bombshell Zine forum or Kiss Chasing forum. And then you'd all go, and you, you know, you're part of that community. And I, there was no one else at my high school that was like that into that sort of thing. So that was. That was massive and yeah like for people that would remember going to third class it was at least to, to my eyes at the time it was like the coolest fucking place to be in many ways it was an intimidating place to be because i didn't have the dress sense that a lot of these people had certainly wasn't as like cool as the people there i certainly wasn't on the fucking right guest list because i had to line up like a fucking motherfucker and often got, <laughs> and often, often got knocked back probably for good reason yeah, I mean, it was, it, was such a, it was such a community, it was such a vibe, you know? Like, I've, you, know, you think back, I didn't actually go to Never Everland, but you think about modular's Never Everland shows with, like, Daft Punk, the presets, Cut Copy, I think Lady Hawk was on it, Bad Graves, yeah. and, like, the fashion of those fucking, like, neon um sunglasses and like the really low cut deep V's. The deep V's, yeah. <laughs> the, um, you know, that cut copy t shirt of the stereos on top of each other, sort of thing. It's like this iconic fucking fashion. And yeah, I mean for me music has always been that. It's about it is about the music, but it's also about the culture that comes with it, you know? I got completely swept up in the odd future um sort of thing as that came through. I think that was yeah. such a okay. exciting great moment all these kids start wearing five panel caps and wearing fucking supreme or in my case knockoffs of supreme and um (laughs) you know it felt like you know that movement that comes with it that energy it's like it's such an exciting thing and you know i i think young people are feeling it now with artists like Juice World and, and, and you know, the Kid Leroy, that sort of Travis Scott, that sort of thing, I guess, all
0: over again. This seems to be a, a similar trajectory as well. If you look at the Frank Ocean's and Tyler and yourself, we'll kind of get to this extra level of maturity where you kind of can s- survey the scene, but also have that youth because, you know, that whole thing is youth is not an age, it's a state of mind. But you
2: comparing Johan to Frank Ocean and, and Tyler, the creator? I'll take, Just it. It. Just
0: I'll did. take it. Just did.
2: The trio, But it seems really obvious that that parallel to kind of like um, celebrating a community and being involved in the kind of minutiae of, you know, all the weird little kind of politics and fun and, and decoration and fashion and sound and lights and bands or whatever, like it's all part of a culture, I guess. And that's obviously really easily linked to IOU and parties and what you were talking about with bands you like to work with. Uh, represent a culture. They're not just kind of like you know. They don't just have good songs. They they're ambassadors for something.
1: Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And I, you know, it links back to Meet Me in the Bathroom and DFA Records and that kind of thing. It's like yeah, that's 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 what's exciting to me. Like a, a good song in isolation is really nice, and it's like I enjoy, I enjoy it for sure. But like, it's looking for more more than that out of music.
0: And what's recently? uh yeah, let's just go. Up to the, to the present day, the last thing that you, that you really, really just got excited about, especially something that you wouldn't perhaps ex- expected yourself to, to you know to relate to.
1: Well, the, I mean, you just mentioned his name, but the, like the artist that I've been abs- absolutely obsessed with, probably for like, the last like five years now, is Frank Ocean. I think he's like the greatest songwriter of our generation. It's just incredible. He obviously doesn't release music very often, but any time that he pops up, it's just fucking insane. I think everything that he does is insane. I think he is such a great illustration of like if you you can you can do things your own way if what you when you do it is just that fucking good. He doesn't need to like play social media game, certainly not following trends on TikTok. He can just put that everyone could do that and you know like everyone's always like oh I just kind of want to do it like what Frank Ocean did or like I want to <laughs> I want to do it like you know King Gizzard do that. Like King Gizzard release and I was like Yes, that is all true. These artists do do those things, but that doesn't mean that everyone can. Um, They have like a very special, a very special talent. And yeah, Frank Ocean for me is the thing that I absolutely play to death and still find things, find new things, find new parts of the records that I love, find new parts of his features that I like, um, you know, read his interviews incessantly. And yeah, him and also an artist named Alex G. I'm like fucking, I'm, I'm pretty obsessed with as well. I
0: listen. Anthony Carew artist. I know he Carew plays him a lot on international pop underground. And every time I sort of pop up and hear a little bit, I don't know that much about him. In terms of lyrics, like today, my favorite lyric of all time is Queens of the Stone Age, Josh Homie in Feet Don't Fail Me when he says, life is hard, that's why no one survives. That's just there's something invigorating about that. Marcus and, and Yoe, this will take us out. What are, what's your favorite lyric of all time today?
1: I've been listening to a lot of like old Kanye recently. I think what prompted it is not really the new album. I haven't like I Someone did a podcast. Uh, the, uh, my friend Osman did a podcast for the culture. They did like an episode on Kanye and, and whatnot. And I, um, was listening to, I went back and I've been listening to a lot to his, his records, but there's not, I'm trying to think like what the like one lyric would be. Maybe Marcus, maybe you go and I'll um I'll quickly do.
2: All right these these aren't my favourite lyrics, but two that I've been listening to recently that maybe fit the bill is the Lucy Dacus record, which is called Home Video, and she's got a song on there called Thumbs, and it's this really beautiful, spare, quiet song about wanting to. There, there's in the lyrics, there's an abuser to one of her friends. And what she's saying to her friend is, do you want me to put my thumbs in his eyes and push his eyeballs in and kill him? And it's a very beautiful song, otherwise. And I, I really love that contrast. And also there's, a, there's an Irish producer called For Those I Love uh, who put out a record um, under the same name recently. And it's an ode to his mate who committed suicide not to far back and uh, he basically made the record kind of in the little shed out the back of his house, you know, just for his friends and his community. And it's ended up kind of blowing up a little bit and he's not the most amazing lyricist, but he's very poetic and he's very matter of fact. And I, I, I really love that maybe in the same way that like the streets is and was, I, I kind of love that unvarnished kind of like, fuck it, this is how I feel and really paints uh, like, you know, in three minutes paints an image of a a universe or a community or his world that is is very unique and i really love just being thrust into someone's world like that who's some someone
0: that's really good at that excellent i want to listen to both those songs back to the college dropout yoey
1: um funnily enough that that for those i love record i think is like phenomenal it's Mm -hmm. as much of like as you said, lyrically, he like he. I think there is a lot to take from it, but it's like his presentation of his lyrics is just like you know really fucking feeling. Cool. There's something very masculine about, or like you know, like I was listening to that record for the first time. I was like, I just want to call my fucking best mate.
2: Yeah, like, yeah. tell him that
1: I fucking love him. Wow. Like
2: yeah, and it's very unusual for dudes to do that in so so blatantly in a song. And it, it like you're right. It is very masculine. It's very much about. Him saying to his mates, you know, I love you, where this and like almost detailing the kind of like boring stuff that they would do in their lives and and uh builds it up to basically saying that especially when someone passes, like you remember all that as like the fabric of a friendship and the and the fabric of a love. And, you know, we need to pause more often and kind of yell about that, which is sort of what that the record is. It's also a really hard listen because it's very blunt and brutally kind of like recounts a lot of the hardships in his little community in Ireland. But um, yeah, as a, as a standalone work of art, it's really something. No, hundred percent. I agree.
1: I've been listening a lot to Jay-Z's 444 record. I got put onto it. I was listening to this um, podcast with Rick Rubin and Richard Russell, and they were talking about how, you know, it's all, I don't know if it's media or the industry assumes that as an artist gets older, they age out and they cut, you know, their, their best work is behind them and that they don't really have the same things to offer. And that, that 444 record, uh, I think is like incredible. And they were talking about how good it is and that like he's no longer rapping about being a young hustler on the street. He's rapping about generational wealth and what he's like looking to give back to his kids and stuff like that. I'm just trying to find some of the fucking. There's
0: a lyric about menage Trois on that record too, isn't there? Yes, there <laughs> is. That, that, that's what you took from it, Mikey. Ah, oh, so predictable. <laughs> no, that's, that's the one lyric, lyric I can remember right now. I just want to with Rick Rubin in "99 uh, Problems." He goes, shaboy boy." Yeah, yeah. You got this, Joey. To take us out on this week's bonus episode of Hit Different, please like and subscribe if you like. And subscribe. Tell all your friends about this because you know I think I'm a bad podcaster, so I don't tell enough people. of Two of my best friends last week said, uh, "You got a podcast?" Feeling beautifully here. <clears throat> I,
1: I've got, I've got one. He, I guess, Jay Z is rapping. As I said before, he's an older man now, not singing about being poor and coming up, but more about like his legacy and what true wealth is in that generational wealth and how he and his people can succeed. And I was, I, there's this line, which I just think is like really good when it says, y'all think it's bougie and I'm like, it's fine, but I'm trying to give you a million dollars worth of game for 9.99. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, that's up, hot. Kick out, kick go, kick out, kick go, kick Well, he, and then he just goes on. I, no, actually I won't say the next line because it's more about the presentation than the, like now that I'm read. It's funny. Like when you read lyrics, back without the beat and without being like the, the presentation of how people like, you know, actually say them or, or send them. Yeah. yeah. It's like If I, if I, yeah, if I just fucking read it out now, it's not going to sound like I'm a f-
0: Well, but, but the problem is Marcus Teague and myself and every single listener actually wants to know what the next lines are. Like He can't leave us hanging.
1: I, I he goes, I turn that two to a four, four, two and eight. I turn my life into a nice, First week release date, and I thought, like,
0: when he's
1: when he Sick. actually sings,
0: it's like fucking mad. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he's a, friends, he's not a businessman; he's a businessman. Yoey Panaya, thanks for joining us on Hit Different this week. Really appreciate your time, my friend. Uh, stay positive, keep checking in on your mates, and uh, love to all your very uh, yeah your honest takes on everything, especially the Frank Ocean stuff. It's um, it's real cool. All right, thank you, listeners. Get out there. Do something with your lives. 15 kilometers, wherever you are. Just get out and, uh, have fun and be safe. Okay. See everybody. Marcus T. Johan Panaya. Mikey Fuckface Carl. See you See guys. You See you guys. Bye bye. Bye bye.